Coming up in this week's show, the biggest shock in tech news this week, Taylor Swift is allowed to music on Spotify's free trial, Apple's making some updates to podcasts, iOS 11's got a new image format, and apps can no longer use customer review prompts, Apple mandates standardised method. All that, and a bit of WWDC, coming up in this week's show. You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Welcome to the Essential Apple Podcast, a show where we cover the last 7 to 10 days in the world of Apple news, reviews, rumours, roundup, gossip, tech, and, well, basically, anything else that catches our eye. This is the Essential Apple Podcast. Hello everyone, we're back again, and without the same board as Simon just mentioned during the intro. Ah, oh, what a week it's been. There's actually some Apple news, and as always, here to help me get through the week that was WWDC is Simon of the EssentialApple.com website. How is it going for you today, Simon? Uh, well, obviously after last week's shenanigans, it's, uh, it's going a lot better. Um, I will talk about uh, how the Mac finally got licked into shape, uh, more by luck than judgment, I suspect. And of course, we will talk about WWDC. But uh, other than that, I'm fine. How are you? It's been one of those weeks. I think I'm finally having my midlife crisis uh, in the shape of thinking about getting a dog which I'm sure people of an Apple-based podcast are really, really uh, interested in. Other than that, um, it's been a fairly steady week in the world of tech, although, yeah, I almost wish I had a credit card because of WWDC. Now, we're going to come on to WWDC on the second half of the show, but I thought what we'd do this week is we'd look at some of the other the tidbits, all the other bits that have come out of WWDC. Uh, but before we go into all of that, T. Swift. What is she doing? This is the lady who complained to Apple that giving away music for free is not a good idea. And now all of a sudden, she's sold out to Spotify. Now, you do get money here on for being on Spotify's free... Lay, uh, sorry, you do get money for being on Spotify's free tier. However, it's fair to say it's not much. So, according to an article over at 9to5Mac, if you're an artist and you're on the free tier, so if someone listens to you on the free tier, you get paid 0.001128 cents per play. That means an artist would need more than a million streams to make the US monthly minimum wage. Uh, I keep meaning to go and get a, another trial of our Apple Music for Planet of the Apps, which I think we might be talking about later on. Are you, uh, I keep forgetting, are you on any subscription music-y services or are you just a podcaster there, Simon? Um, well, I I have mentioned before, I get um, the Apple, uh, not Apple, the Amazon Prime Music, of course, as a, as a, a byproduct of being an Amazon Prime customer um and i so i have access to the amazon prime music the amazon prime video the amazon prime reading and all the other uh, things that amazon chuck in for free but i have to admit i'm not a huge uh music listener um i took the free three months trial of apple music when it was launched and uh 
I don't think I actually opened it more than once. So uh, my music tastes are quite eclectic, but I have a fairly big collection of stuff from the, you know, my youth, as it were, uh, CDs and vinyl recorded um, and stored in my iTunes. So, um, and also, of course, a bit like you, when I, I do want music, I normally just flick the radio on in the car, which is where the, probably the commonest place I listen to music. Um, and I put on Radio 1 or Radio 2. Or... Whoa, 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 whoa. You're still listening to Radio 1. I uh, have so, Radio 1. On... So anyone out there, I if have... you would like to be a podcast host on this little show, please get in touch. <laughs> yeah, what do you mean, Radio? Oh, jeez. Dear Lord, Simon. Have uh, well, have you not listened to Radio 1 recently? No, because uh... I'm an adult. Ah, yes. Well, because there was a period, I admit, where Radio 1 was diabolical. But, however, we have Nick Grimshaw in the, mo- in the oh, mornings, no. and we have uh, no, no, no. Greg somebody or else in the evenings, and uh, you listen to Nick Grimshaw. And, uh, Radio 2. Oh, I, I don't think I've ever been this disappointed in a human being as I am right now. You listen to Nick <laughs> Grimshaw. My, I'd rather like me, Grimshaw. Thank you very much. At least, at least, tell me this: when it comes, I'll tell to you tw- why I don't listen to Radio Two because Chris, I'm one of the cheeky chappies, makes me want to smash his face in. Oh I yeah, stand the bloke. Uh, I agree with you on that. But there's a uh, Radio Caroline, which is a brilliant little station. Uh, you've got Radio X, which has got Chris Miles on it, who's a little bit little, little bit. No, uh, s- I want to say sycophantic. A bit think- weird. It's <laughs> a little bit weird. And that's, that's why it works for me. Well, no, no. I've never got on with Chris Moyles, I'm afraid. One of the reasons I uh, couldn't listen to Radio 1 at all for many years was because he was, in fact, the host of the radio show. All right, let's try and find some common ground here. I challenge <laughs> what about between 10.20 and 10.45, Radio 2, Ken Bruce's Popmaster. Surely, surely, for all of the love of things that are good on this planet, you listen to Popmaster. Uh, I have been known to listen to Popmaster, but I admit that uh, that kind of time is right in the middle of my working morning, so I tend either to have nothing on whatsoever or I'm playing a podcast in one of my ears. So, But I do not have a problem with Ken Bruce and his Popmaster show. And uh, yes, if you would like to... Come on, as a co-host, please get in touch. Oh, my word. Well, I suppose this sort of takes us on to the next... One of the tidbits from WWDC uh, is in relation to podcasting. Apple makes major podcast updates. Uh, This is coming from SixColors.com. As mentioned in Monday's keynote, the Apple Podcast app, which is almost certainly the most popular method of listening to podcasts in the world, is getting an overhaul in iOS 11, including a new interface and changes to how podcasts are going to be structured. Cutting through everything, you can now have tags of episode specifications and you can do things like seasons. So if we were to take a break, uh, I'm not sure how this works in the real world, but you could do a teaser, a full episode or bonus content. And these will be read by the podcast app and used to present a podcast in a richer way, more than the current, more linear approach. Since podcast feeds are just text, other other podcast apps will be free to follow Apple's lead and also auto how to display podcasts. Now, 
This, I can see, is a good thing, but also a little bit controversial because I, one thing that I'm not entirely sure of is the whole, well, nobody knows, is the whole ranking system. And if you, if we would stop doing a podcast for a few months, which I've done before, a few weeks, which I've done before, your podcast player will stop updating it to say you haven't listened or you haven't, uh, you haven't pushed out a new episode in a while. Do we think we're... Do you think we're going to hit a more season-based podcast? Because I know, for example, I'd love to have the summer off for a couple of weeks and then come back when there's some actual Apple news. What's your thoughts on this uh, this story, Simon? Um, well, I haven't really uh, had a chance to read it uh, in full, but uh, I- I'm not quite sure. I mean, I, I get the idea is to uh, allow podcasters to present a quote-unquote richer experience and for, I guess, for listeners to um, access uh, a bit like chapters in in a way to access parts of the podcast in a ne- not necessarily linear fashion. Um, I don't really have a problem with that. I think my only uh, consideration is, you know, some of us like to present our podcasts and uh, the way we work is, is, you know, more traditional radio show kind of, idea and uh some of us just wander along from the start to the finish uh, as as the whim takes us uh which may or may not be you know interesting to the listeners i my biggest fear i suspect here is not so much that uh the ranking system is going to be manipulated so much as uh shows that don't use fancy new features uh, might not get so highly ranked, but I don't know. One of the things I've been working on is, has been the um, has been podcast chapters, and I'm not I'm not yeah. entirely sure if it's worth the effort right now. Um, but it's interesting. One of the one of the main advantages here is that it's going to give you a way to do podcast analytics. So apparently, according to a few articles that I've read, the new analytics will let you see if you've got chapters, if people are skipping over, let's say, a segment or or advertising. Uh, Some of the other features that are going to be coming up is a tag for episode number, a tag for the season number. So it collects the episode uh, president to the... uh, President? Precedent to the last season. Uh, And you can get a summary as well. So... It looks like podcasting is getting a nice little bit of an overhaul. I'm not quite sure how you see podcast analytics, which seems to be just a complete nightmare well, at the moment. I mean, on on that on that kind of uh, overview, as you've just given me, as I say, I haven't really had a chance to study it, but I can imagine uh, that certain types of podcast. Uh, would benefit greatly from that. So, for example, somebody like uh, Tabletop Heroes, uh, who present a live Dungeons & Dragons playing uh, podcast, I I could imagine that that would would benefit greatly because, obviously, as certain adventures or stories uh, arc and come to an end, they they call those seasons. So, um, and obviously each episode is a part of that story arc as they play through. 
Now, those sort of features would benefit, I'm sure, a show like that very greatly because they could tag the podcast, couldn't they, into into bunches? So, I don't know, you know, the Seaside Adventure, episode one, two, three, four, you know, 546. Um, you know, and then the next lot could be tagged the underwater adventure or whatever. And therefore, you could... Do you know what I mean? You could coalesce a bunch of uh, podcasts which featured one story arc together. Yeah, I'm just glad that Apple have sort of taken uh, sort of taken an interest in podcasts. It's been a very flat um, flat trajectory of them actually maintaining something that arguably you could say that Apple have set up. Uh, well, For I me, mean, they most definitely invented it. There's no doubt about that. But I think uh, some people say they just let it languish. But, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I think the truth is, you know, podcasting was booming quite well. And I, I think to a large extent that Apple have just said, well, we created it. it. It's going quite well on its own. And, you know, I don't know that there's anything extra that we can add at the moment. Um, and now, obviously, technology's moving on, and perhaps they have had requests for can you do this and can you do that. Um, I think it's nice, definitely good that Apple are taking an interest, but uh, how much it would affect us on this podcast, I don't know. But, you know, all all, uh, all avenues are open, aren't they, um, until we be, explore them? I've got to say, it would be nice to go over to a series-based format. So we could do like, I don't know, seven, eight weeks, take a break, then come back for another series and just keep going like that because it it's so, it's so easy when you're doing a podcast just to, you get your systems and your processes set up and you just chunder along and chunder along. And before you know it, you've sort of stopped, I don't want to say stopped innovating or you know, you've stopped changing up the format. And for me, it kind of feels like sometimes shows sort of settle to the way they are for a little bit too long and don't shake themselves up. But I'm sure that people will disagree with me. Uh, what else? <laughs> what else we got? Uh, let's go on to this one. I should have put more stories down the rate we're going. There is a new image format. Uh, Apple's new HEIF slash HEVC camera formats are going to save about 50% on your JPEGs. Now, I can quite believe this because I have a little utility here called JPEG Mini Light or Squash. And it basically rips out all the redundant data and does some very clever algorithmy stuff in a JPEG. So I can go from, or let's say I save a JPEG out of Photoshop at 70%, which gives me a nice sort of file size. I know that I'm getting a hugely, hugely optimized version of this when I squash or compress it. Now, Alex Fox did give me a little bit of a brief rundown on what it's doing, which unfortunately I've forgotten about. But we seem to be moving on to a new generation of video formats because H.265 is an awesome, awesome video format. I'm sure if you go out of there on the old internet, you'll be able to find it. Um, but it's nice to see. Now, now we have got all this power in the iPhone 6, 6S and 7. That Apple are really starting to use that and really starting to push these new formats because when you're compressing a H.265 video, I'm lucky on a decent enough Core i5 Mac 
to get half speed real time encoding. So if your show is one hour long, it'll probably take about two, two and a half hour long. Is it? If you, I mean, you work in the printing, you know, the print industry, in the graphics industry. Have you ever heard of um, HEIF? Um, well, I've heard the name bandied around, um, and it, it stands, I believe, for high efficiency image format, or in the uh, the video high efficiency video codec. Um, yes, I mean. Somebody somewhere has come up with what are apparently better algorithms for compressing your uh, your data, um, which is great. Um, I'm not sure that HEIF is in fact uh, necessarily an image format in and of itself. I, I, I suspect it's going to be um, used to improve on JPEG or. Uh, possibly TIFF compressions, but uh, if it is another new format, fine. You know, um, from my point of view, as long as you know, as long as major softwares uh, support it, and uh, I don't have a load of grief over that, then I'm fine. Well, and H two six five, of course, is uh, uh, you know just a, I believe, a, an improved version based on h264 which of course apple uh well if not pioneered themselves certainly pioneered the use of uh some years back so well they are going to make all of their videos onto h265 now aren't they the, the thing, oh yes yeah. and i'm sure h265 will become you know a standard what i'm saying is it's really a progression from 264 and h264 you know was i believe pretty much made popular by apple because they you know they pushed it very heavily as as a very good video format for use on ios so well it more or less killed divx dead into the ground and uh divx was a wrapper around oh blimey i've forgotten now uh memory fail Oh, I I always remember that the the DivX Xvid Wars and then H two six four came along and went well we now have a decent standard, and I think that was partly down to Apple as well. I, I'm looking forward to it. Um, Plex seems to play nice with H two six five videos. It's just the grunt you need uh, to <laughs> the grunt you need to convert to H two six five, which is why I'm sort of contemplating if I could get one of these new iPads. Would it theoretically be feasible to load up some, let's say, some source material that I have obtained legally and compress it quicker than I could on an actual desktop machine? That's That alone, I would love to get a new iPad for. Um, there's only one problem with this new file format. I've just been having a look at an article now over on, he says, look, over on 9to5Mac, and they've got a couple of uh, images there. One's a, a JPEG at 2 meg, and one's high-efficiency um, doodah at 1.2. But I can't find a viewer for it. Um, <laughs> so I'm guessing that's going to be baked into iOS 11 and uh, macOS High Sierra. Let's oh, I should think so. I should think very much so. What was your take on uh, the whole High Sierra? I, it was a little bit like I was sort of waiting for a badum tish moment with Craig Federighi saying, yeah, um, we, we've baked in this idea. Um, well, I mean, yeah, they 
they managed to get quite a lot of weed slash, you know, um, psychedelia jokes in, didn't they? You know, uh, on the name High Sierra, and it's a fully baked product and uh, various others. Um, uh, if you listened to uh, Craig, the Hair Force One, Federighi, and uh, Phil the Shill Shiller on the live uh, recording with John Gruber, um, they described it as a crack marketing team. And Phil said, I don't like the way Craig looks at me when he says that. Uh, but other than their rather, you know, juvenile uh, hippie jokes, um, I, I was rather pleased with uh, High Sierra. Uh, nothing outstanding. Uh, and I don't think that's bad. I, I think it's a good idea to, you know, move the, the new technologies in one year and bed them in. And then the following year, almost in the way of, you know, uh, iPhone S models to say, Okay, we we've got Sierra, and now we're going to do a refinement on that, and that's you know, and I, it's not something they haven't done before, is it? I mean, we had Leopard, and then Snow Leopard, and I mean, Snow Leopard is, I think, widely considered to be one of the best uh, OSs Apple have ever shipped. Oh yes, um, you know they did Lion, which I think a lot of people remember as rather troublesome. Because it, it, you know, it brought in a whole slew of new technologies, and uh, in that, in the wake of that, of course, there were bugs and there were problems, uh, and then there was Mountain Lion, which obviously attempted to clean a lot of a lot of that up, um, and we, you know, then we went Mavericks, Yosemite, to some extent. Um, They did Yosemite, and then they did uh, El Capitan. Is that the order? I forget now. Uh, there's no good asking me. You know what my memory is like? Blimey. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> you know, they. I mean, from they did Yosemite, and then they did... Uh, well, anyway, I mean, El Capitan is inside Yosemite, isn't it? So that was a kind of reference to closing down a bit. But uh, then they did Sierra, and now they're doing High Sierra, and they've, you know, very much kind of implied that High Sierra is a snow leopard. Um, and again, uh, Phil and Craig were kind of, you know, riffing on that, sort of saying, "Well, we, you know, we were playing with names, and we thought, shall we, you know, we shall we have Snow Sierra or you know, Mountain Sierra doesn't work. So uh, what about Snow Sierra? I mean." So they obviously were, you know, referencing the the previous kind of, uh, uh, you know, background improvement versions of the OS. So uh, I I was very pleased with it. You know, it's got a few things in it, but um, overall, I I thought that looked very much like uh, what the OS could do with, which is time to take a breather and, uh, you know, sort out a few bugs. I'm just trying to rack my brains now because I haven't rewatched the videos yet like I normally do. And I'm just trying to sort of recall what part of High Sierra has stuck in my head. And other than the the whole photos and the syncing of the, the metadata, what would you say was the, the highlight of Mac OS, uh, Mac OS High Sierra for you? Uh, well, being as I'm a bit of a techno geek, um, the fact that... Uh, the Apple file system is going to be 
uh, available. The APFS, uh, which of course is what uh, iOS now runs on, um, and that's a you know a modern uh, I mean, file that, system. That is not a small field. undertaking, is it? And that's probably why they haven't done much of anything else and just really tweaked the system. Because when you're looking at rolling out a file system, my God, you've got to have a set of cojones to do that. Blimey! Well. It's not, you know, it's not the first time that Apple have, have had to do this. And, and let's face it, HFS Plus, I'm afraid, you know, is really beginning to show its age. I mean, uh, when did they roll out HFS Plus? In the 90s, early 90s, I think. So, you know, and that's really just based on, that was just a, a you know, a tweaking of the original HFS. and. I mean, that goes back to System 6. So, you know, we are very much looking there at a kind of flat file, hierarchical uh, filing system with none of the modern technologies. And, uh, you know, APFS uh, promises all those all those things like um, copy on write and, you know... Uh, no need for multiple copies of files because if you copy a file and make a duplicate, it just makes a pointer and stays that way until you actually make a change. And a whole load of things which, you know, modern file systems built for SSD and the uh, and the modern world uh, use. So I'm I'm very much looking forward to that, to be honest. Yeah, and this would be a brilliant time if we had a sponsor for the show to say, back up your data. You should do that anyway. <laughs> um, uh, I'm sort of, I'm not too worried about it, because I think if anyone could pull off updating their systems on the fly, Apple could. I mean, look what happened with iOS. Um, what was the latest version? iOS 10.3, where yeah. it, it, was, it took a hell of a long time for it to install. But then you were on a new file system, and it worked. And it was well. Like- the, the, one of the reasons that that, that uh, it took a long time is because uh, Apple um, did explain that one of the reasons it took a long time was because they were changing over to the uh, APFS uh, on the fly. In your iOS device, what they were doing was creating um, an APFS filing system, copying all your data across to it, verifying it, and then removing your original file system so that in the unlikely but terrible event something went horribly wrong, your original data would remain untouched. So, you know, um, and... Again, listening to uh, Craig and Phil talking to John Gruber, uh, they were talking about testing APFS for Mac and how they were uh, testing it by setting up a you know a, a big hard drive full of data and then transferring it across to APFS, where again, where everything is duplicated and nothing is removed until the uh, APFS file system is verified to be 100% correct. And then uh, then they were talking about to verify that that was correct, actually transferring it back the other way. 
So <laughs> I think Apple have put, you know, as quite rightly they should, uh, have spent a lot of time and a lot of effort on uh, making sure this is going to work. Now, you should always back up because, you know, there are millions of uh, Macs out there and you can guarantee that somebody who attempts to go from uh, HFS Plus to APFS without making sure that they've got a safety net, somebody somewhere will come a cropper. So, you know, back up your stuff, people. One thing I'm wondering is with APFS, is Windows going to be able to read that or are they going to release a Windows-style driver or will someone release a Windows-style driver so you can actually read APF disks in Windows? Because I'm wondering... That is a very good question. I sort of wonder, like, if you've got a USB stick, I mean, obviously you could keep it as FAT32, but then if you were to format it as APFS, how is that going to work? Uh, what I mean, the copy demo that they did where it was basically, here's how you would copy files normally, then they did a duplication, and it was instant. That was good, but I would have liked to have seen lots and lots of small files, let's say, moved from one place to another, or lots and lots of small files duplicated like an, another test oh, obviously they've probably done this in a wwdc session but it was a, it was a very very impressive demo really impressive i also one thing i would like to know and if anyone out there can shed any light on this is how well does apf for apfs work with spinning hard drives because it does seem <clears throat> excuse me that a lot of this is aimed at the SSD society that we all live in. And is there going to be any drawbacks to this running on the old spinning platter? Or is it just a case of, well, let's go find £65 and go and buy an SSD from somewhere, I wonder? Uh, no, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that you won't, uh, you know, that it's not going to uh, be harmful or, you know, detrimental to use it on a, on a spinning disc. It's uh, a different... Well, I think obviously it is designed with SSDs in mind, I think. And, uh, but I, I, part of the, the whole kind of, you know, no need for redundant data, uh, is obviously meant to prolong the life of your SSD because you, you know, every write is precious, as it were, even though, uh, you know, mathematicians tell me that the chances of you actually wearing out an SSD in normal use, you know, are almost non-existent. You'd have to do continual read writes for 10 years solid to wear out an SSD, you know. Um, I don't think there will be, uh, you know, any downside to using it. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to using it because I'll be honest, HFS plus is pretty old and, uh, it's 16 years old is it or something like that i think it's pushing 30 years old to be honest oh i did read as well that i think microsoft are looking at a new file system as well called refs uh but that was this is one of those times where you know i'm in work and i'm skimming through web pages and i go oh i must remember that and save that for the show well i mean <clears throat> you know microsoft have got the same kind of problem in that you know, NTFS is a really rather old, and B, you know, not technically as uh, clever or advanced as some people would have you believe. So, 
you know, there there are lots of far more modern and far more advanced file systems, and uh, you know, it really is time that the world moved on to something more efficient and modern. Um, oh, and while we're talking about High Sierra, of course, there, there's one big bonus, isn't there? Which is no no Macs are excluded. No Macs that can run Sierra will be excluded from running High Sierra. So that's a nice, you know, that's a, a nice bonus for this year. That uh, if your, you know, if your Mac is running Sierra, you've got at least another year's grace before you face the chance that you won't be able to update. I'm turning around to my side and looking at old trusty and going, there, there, girl, you've got another year left in you. At um, least. I think what I might do as well is before um, I want to do some benchmarking start type stuff uh, before it comes out, just to do uh, a before and after. I really hope as well that, you know, all this new power that's going to come with it, the, the doubling down on the, the metal and everything like that actually gets used. But we'll come over to that after in the second part of the show. Uh, right, funnily enough, as I've just plugged in my phone, it's launched the App Store because I'm trying to charge my phone at time of recording. Apps can no longer use custom review prompts. Apple mandates a standardised method. Hallelujah. And I said this also follows on, I think, from, uh, was it last year where they um, they they mandated that uh, app, app uh, developers could effectively only ask you once if you would like to, uh, you know, give them five stars and write a review on the app store. And that if you said no, um, that that was the be all and end all. If you say, no, I'm not interested in reviewing your product or giving you five stars on the app store. uh, That's the end of it because um, quite a lot of, uh, shall we say less pleasant uh, developers had a habit of either originally asking you about once a week and then um they they got away with uh from being told not to do that by asking you for every dot revision that they made and uh, apple finally said no look you know you're allowed to ask once and if the user says later you can ask them later um but if they say no thanks i don't wish to review this product you're not allowed to ask any more. And uh, I suspect the now mandating of a standard, uh, you know, would you like to review this product uh, box is just a follow on from that. Yep. In iOS 10.3 earlier this year, Apple introduced a new API for prompting users to give an App Store review. At the time, developers were allowed to continue using any review prompts they had previously implemented with the warning that such permission would eventually be revoked. Now, in WWDC, that time has come. Apple Store policy has been updated to, 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 sorry, been updated to mandate use. Let's try that again, shall we? Apple Store policy has been updated to mandate use of Apple's standardized API rating going forward, disallowing custom prompt reviews. From the Apple Review Guidelines, user provided API to prompt users to review your app. This functionality allows customers to provide an app store rating and review without the inconvenience of leaving your app, and we will disallow custom review prompts. Thank Lord for that. Let's just hope they don't come up with some scammy workaround, like, say, before you go into the app, there's a JPEG or an image that says, did you know you can rate this app on the app store? Because that's not asking for review, that's more hinting at the fact you can review it. 
So I wonder well, how many people uh, are going to try that sort of scammy approach. I'm sure that'll probably get weeded out. Um, however, talking about things getting weeded out, and this is not in the show notes, have you seen the uh, furore, quite right, I have to say, about uh, some really rather uh, underhand, scummy uh, apps which claim to be malware scanners or virus oh, yes. uh, yep. defenders um, who are you know, saying download this for free to protect your your iOS device and then uh, slipping you a $100 a, a week subscription. Um, I mean, how those ever, ever got into the App Store in the first place, I've no idea. How they got allowed to, uh, you know, move up the rankings and uh, it is, you know, a big failing, I think, for, for Apple. That's a, a bit of a disgrace. Yeah, this uh, this is on Daring Fireball, uh, isn't it? Uh, this was from uh, from Johnny Lynn looking into a top 10 highest grossing app named Mobile Pro- Protection, a clean and security VPN. Uh, this is from a developer named Negan Voithiu. I probably got that wrong and I do apologise. I've seen that name and I'm trying to think where. Full virus malware scanner. What? I'm pretty sure it's impossible for any app to scan my phone for viruses on malware since third-party apps are sandboxed to their own data. You will pay $99 for a seven-day subscription. Uh, And Gruber's got it right. Apple needs to remove these apps from the App Store and prevent such apps from getting into store in the first place. They should reconsider the efforts of effects of allowing developers to buy their way into the top spot of search results. And they should Police the top grossing list for apps that are pulling scams. Completely agree with Gruber on that one. Sometimes I don't always agree with him. Uh, but yes, Apple well, no. does need to do something because, yeah, with, and I knew, I sort of had a feeling this was going to happen because anytime you allow purchasing of a top spot or uh, like Google AdWords or things like that, it more often than not, it's just, it just gets abused. Yep, um, I'm afraid that's that's true. And I, you know, I, I do follow Gruber. I do mostly agree with uh, his point of view. Not always. He can sometimes be rather an Apple apologist. But that said, uh, you know, I think uh, one of the reasons I like him is if he thinks they're wrong or they've done something uh, bad, he's not, you know, not afraid to stand up and called and, BS. And, and fair uh, play. Quite rightly, he's, he's saying this, you know, in this instance, not only should Apple be ashamed of themselves, but they should be uh, giving the money back to anybody who's been stung. And fair place to him. He did call out, uh, what's that name of the guy? German. He called out German before WWDC when he wrote a story. And out of 500 words, only about seven or like half a paragraph was actually of news of worth any substance or use. Yeah, it was actually germane. The rest was just waffle. So, after that little lot, shall we take a break and have uh, John well, give us a we got one more st- of his hardware? We've got one more story. Let's do that, and then we'll go into Nemo's hardware store. Fair uh, enough. This does follow on a little bit. So that was like a li- that was like a live on air production meeting then, uh, right? Apple legalizes and taxes in app tipping for content 
creators. Apple has created a new revenue stream that could foster communities of digital content creators around the world and those already thriving in China. Uh, Apple has published a update to its App Store policy, which officially designates voluntary tipping via virtual currency as an in-app purchase. However, Apple being Apple are going to take 30% of it. That's a little bit controversial until you think, well, why shouldn't they? Because if it was a purchase, it would be they would take 30 percent. You know, I'm I'm afraid lots of people seem to have a real problem with the fact that Apple take a 30 percent cut. I don't have a problem with Apple taking a 30 percent cut. They run the app store. They run the infrastructure. You know, it's their all right, call it a walled garden, if you will, but it's their game um, and it's their ball. And it's a case of, if you don't like it, pack up and go home. I'm with um, you on I'm with you on that one. Plus it stops people pushing you out to Patreon and all that sort of stuff. And you've got a way of cancelling it within the app as well. So it's like one nice centralised sort of area. Um, it does make me wish, though, they sort of don't do something similar for podcasts. Where if you listen to a podcast oh, yeah. and you want to tip them, that would be a brilliant idea. That would be quite nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. And, you know, a tips jar for podcasters, uh, you know, rather than having to go full-blown Patreon, you could just send a few pennies. I'm almost going to feel guilty now about doing the, the ad read after Nemo's Hardware Store. Uh, we have a patron. If you want to go and sponsor the show, you go to patreon.com slash centralmark because I haven't changed the name yet. Uh, and thank you very much to our painted subscribers, because we love you, and you really do go and help the running of this show. Right, that's as good a point as any. We'll take a quick break now, and we'll be back in about uh, three and a bit minutes after Nemo's Hardware Store. So, John, over to you. Special recommendation this week in the hardware store, over-ear, full-size, black, Bluetooth only wireless over ear headphones. The company is Audio Technica. Product name is the ATH DSR7BT wireless over ear headphones with pure digital drive. Cost in the US is $299. So start saving. Premium sound, premium build, excellent Bluetooth. Great battery life, comfortable, attractive, stylish, rugged. You can wear them for hours. They sound great with music, with movies, anything you need headphones for. You charge them up using the included cable. There's some lights on the side, but aside from that, very, very minimalist as far as the electronic aspect of it. You can go anywhere 20 to 30 feet distance and get a good strong clear bluetooth signal brand new product we are one of the first ones to get to review it i was skeptical because i've been using the audio technica premium quality wired headphones for years figure how could this one be any good well it is good so good that i've been using it to stream plex that's p-l-e-x the website for plex plex.tv and we're going to have a couple of links in this episode for the Nemo's hardware store talking about the features and how it works for Plex. But using my situation as an example, I have an external hard drive with some movie content, TV shows attached to my MacBook Pro which is in my closet and then at the other end of the house, I've got my iPad and then using the Plex app on my iPad, 
And this works both with the free Plex and the Plex Pass. We'll talk about the Pass, the premium features, another time. Carl is an expert on this, and he's been giving me some encouragement on using Plex, because we're pretty much doing the same thing. So I can sit with my wireless headphones and my iPad and watch the show that's streaming from my computer, external drive, several rooms away. Works great. Also, using the Plex, I've got that streaming onto my Roku which is attached to my television. So two outstanding recommendations. One is hardware, the headphones from Audio-Technica, exclusive 45mm True Motion drivers featuring bobbin-wound voice coil, top-mounted printed circuit board, and specially designed diaphragm provide rich, detailed audio reproduction. I can definitely say for $300 or whatever the equivalent is in your local currency, These are definitely worth setting some money aside if you want pure quality Bluetooth audio like you've never heard it before. They have good room isolation. They're not active sound isolation. They're passive sound isolation just by the fit and the feel of the ear cups on your head with a nice snug fit. Not too tight, not too loose, just right. Using the apps both on my iPad, on my Roku, and on my MacBook Pro to enjoy my content. Definitely more on Plex coming up. But meanwhile, every time you walk by that cookie jar, put a tenor into it, and soon you can order those Audio-Technica ATH DSR7BT wireless over-ear headphones. That's it for this week. Back next week. As always, thanks once again, John. Now, we've got some, I've actually got some prizes this week. It's almost like we've been semi-organised. The ATH-DSR7BT wireless overhear headphones with pure digital drive. Not quite sure what that means from Audio-Technica. You can get them from Amazon US at $299 or £289 in the UK. And of course... If you look at your podcast player now, you should see an image with a link. And that link is our Amazon link. And if you use that Amazon link, that links you to Amazon and you make a purchase of those headphones or anything else, you're helping to support the show because we get a very, very small amount of commission from whatever you purchase. So it could be anything. Socks, balloons, paper bicycle pumps, fitness gear, absolutely anything. After you click on our link, we would get a very, very small commission of, and it doesn't cost you a single penny. Nothing is added on. You don't have to tick a box. You don't have to say, make it a charitable donation or anything like that. You just click shop job done. And of course, if you're feeling really generous and you can do without your latte, mocha, frocker, chino, coffee, or whatever it is you crazy kids out there have we also have a patreon page as well and if you want to you can just chuck anything our way no it doesn't have to be a huge amount chump change down the back of the sofa honestly it doesn't matter to us any little bit will help so john thank you very much once again and of course thank you to our lovely lovely Patreon subscribers well there's no avoiding it i suppose we've got to get on with that uh with that thing that happened this week the WWDC came and went. Now, we've put out uh, the question into the chat room this week of what do you think the high and lows were of WWDC? Uh, I think people must have been a little bit away because it's been a bit quiet in there this week. But of course, Mac Jim, and by the way, Mac Jim, thank you again for your awesome audio that you did for us last week. The review you've sent us, I will get posted, I promise. 
Matt Jim writes, The watchOS part of the keynote was a bit of a flop, especially when they introduced the kaleidoscope screen. Cue the applause. Not impressed was the response. Yep, I'm with you on that one, Mac Jim. A kaleidoscope screen, I'm like, seriously? Oh, Lord. Anyway, yeah, back to my... A bit, that really was a bit like, really? And you need to tout that as a feature? Yeah. That took up valuable anyway. space in a very long keynote. Overall, I thought the iOS and Mac iPad, the iMac iPod, iMac Pro parts of the keynote were the ones that impressed me the most. Not so much a Mac, but Pro part, as there was some sneaky stuff, price, sneaky stuff in there. Price reductions, yes, but that was uh, that was down to the reduced memory, so it wasn't really a good change. If the MacBook Pros, oh blimey, why am I struggling? I've rehearsed this. If the MacBook <laughs> Pros were reduced overall in price without lowering the specs, then I'd have been really happy. The iMac improvements, even allowing for my disappointment at no hardware changes, has me thinking about how I could fund an iMac 27-inch. I'm definitely going to do the iOS 11 public beta as I did with iOS 2. I've entered the program, but it's only for 10.33 public beta at the moment. So let's just take this one apart then. Uh, yes, I'm with him on the kaleidoscope. Why? Although the watch OS, I'm liking the, the dock flicking up and down. I think that's going to be a little uh, bit more intuitive, maybe. Well, I'm, I, I don't have a problem with the changing the dock to the kind of uh, Rolodex cards uh, up and down. I, I mean, that's how you uh, navigate your... Uh, your tabs isn't it on your you know on 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 safari on ios you open them as or certainly on the phone they they scroll up and down as a set of cards so i mean that's that's quite pleasant um possibly a little easier than the the current side to side uh thing but uh my overall view was for watch os4 i'm sure there are some nice technical pieces in there but from a you know from a user's point of view i found that a bit of a yawn you know new watch faces with with buzz lightyear and woody and and whatnot running around and it's like how old do you think your average apple watch buyer actually is yeah that is true it's um yeah now you've mentioned it that's a very weird demographic to be aiming for um, obviously i have I mean, it because i'm a big child myself but the horse well maybe well. that's you know well I, I i don't know i mean you know maybe maybe lots of people like it but for me the idea of you know flicking my watch you know with the wrist movement and instead of seeing the time i get a little animation of buzz and and uh, woody or or whatever uh you know, a bit, a bit. Well, no, this and this, they actually run on, and they not like Mickey Mouse, where Mickey Mouse is a watch face, you know, tapping his foot or whatever, uh, which I believe, you know, is very similar to the original uh, analog uh, mechanical Timex yeah. watches. I think had those, but I mean, this is actually a little cartoon, isn't it? You know, with Buzz and Woody mucking about, and you know, before the time comes up, it's like. No, I'm sure it would be novelty about twice. And when it starts looping around, you're going to notice that there's probably only two or three on there. And then there'll be the people oh, that I are mean, going, yeah, just how much um, battery life do these animations consume? Um, well, well, I, 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 as well, 
all right, even if you say, okay, fine, it's a bit of frippery and some people will like it and it's a novelty and fine. But, you know, why Toy Story? What, but why, why not any of their other franchises? Star Wars, I would have, if they do a Star Wars one, that's me sorted. Well, yeah, see, Star Wars, you know, how about Darth Vader pointing at the time with his red lightsaber? Or what about, you know, Iron Man or Thor or something? I I just, no. Anyway, that's, we could go on way too long about that. Yeah, uh, there is the the thing about getting rid of the honeycomb screen, isn't there? Um, I haven't really read much into this bit. Somehow I missed this. Uh, You can switch from the honey screen view, honeycomb view, to a list view as well. Uh, I'd probably play with that, maybe. Um, Uh, Not totally sure. The amount that I, the amount of times that I go to the honeycomb um, is so few. I'll be honest. Uh, It's almost irrelevant. I mean, if you can show it as a list view instead, I guess that would not be unpleasant um i i I thought the whole the whole watch os4 thing uh felt to me rather underwhelming i mean there was the siri face which may or may not be of interest to some people uh as you know my view of siri is not very high um so that's not something that was in the least bit interesting to me uh the uh, yes, the scrolling cards and the, and the list view, possibly. I'm sure there are possibly other technical things going on, but in what was a massively crowded uh, keynote, I guess they couldn't not mention that there was going to be a, a watch OS four, but it, it really was. I thought quite lacklustre that part, and they put it at the start and. Uh, I think uh, several people mentioned to me that they'd watched the first half an hour of the keynote and were thinking, really, this is terrible. Because, I mean, they sort of mentioned Apple TV, then they sort of skirted through watch uh, OS 4. And, uh, you know, that up, up to that point, I was thinking, oh, dear, this is going to be a right letdown. Um, I'm glad to say it picked up later, but, uh, you know, so neither of those were stunning. I always like to look at the other stuff, and one thing I was noticing was like, hmm, are we in for a one and a half hour show or are we in for a two hour show? Because you could actually see people like Craig, Phil, and even Tim physically running onto this. Well, not running, but they were walking with some gusto to get onto the stage. Well, let's say, uh, I mean, Craig, Craig, of course, is famous for it. He actually does run, <laughs> he runs, launches himself onto the stage. Um, and, uh, you know, Phil Schiller said, uh, somebody who shall, I shall not name suggested that perhaps the rest of us followed his example. And, uh, they said this was flatly, uh, knocked down on the grounds that most of the rest of them would probably trip over and fall flat on their face. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> that was not happening, but, uh, yes, it, it was quite obvious that they were trying to go at some fair clip wasn't it? I mean, there was certainly not a lot of dawdling or, uh, you know, there were, there were even points at which you could almost see them kind of like, no, 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 don't clap. Don't clap. We haven't got time for that now. Yeah. You know, let's don't, no, no clapping. Just, just come on. Just keep going. Keep going. The more, I've seen, the more I've seen of Craig Federighi get onto the stage and how he's just so, so comfortable up there now. Uh, that's really nice to see. And you could actually tell, you know, uh, he, 
did make a little bit of a stumble or a mistake, and he just sort of laughed off and kept going. Phil Schiller, yeah, I mean, you can just tell he's the sort of guy, when he talks, people listen. And I, can, I would guarantee that's the same at Apple. I would say out of all the other presenters there, the one that was the most, I don't want to say captivating, but seemed really at home considering it was his first time on the stage, was when they were demonstrating Affinity. Uh, what's it called? Affinity Designer? No. That's why he's on the uh, desktop. Affinity, it's, affinity, yeah. it's Affinity Photo, yeah. That wasn't a bad little tech demo, but he was just so comfortable doing it. And that, I thought, took some chops to just get up there and do it, because they, they had a few new faces up there, uh, a few females Well, of course, well. He, he, he is... Um, he, the, the guy who was presenting um, Affinity Photo is, of course, the guy from Serif, which is a British company, by the way. And they've been going, they, they, they've been uh, producing software, uh, mostly for Windows, I have to say. But since pretty much the dawn of desktop publishing, uh, they were most famous, of course, for Serif Page Plus. Oh, yes, I remember that. Yeah, which was, you know, very much aimed at the uh, budget Windows market. But I have to say, uh, you know, I'll be fair, they're still going 30 years on. You know, they've, and Serif, the Serif page or the Serif Plus range of products was uh, amazingly good value. And I have on many times uh, recommended them to Windows using customers because they are phenomenal value. Um, And now they've decided to, uh, you know, move up into a slightly more pro space with their affinity range, which currently is uh, the affinity designer and the affinity photo. Um, and then uh, there will be apparently a uh, an affinity publisher to go with that set, Ooh. and uh, and those will are, are now uh, going cross platform in that they were successful on the Mac, and uh, they're sunsetting their Serif Plus range, and will be producing affinity products for windows so um they're, they're making a big push here to um take the to, shall to we actually, say yeah, yeah uh, to actually go with the whole content creation there is only one oh, yeah. downside with this it's only compatible with the ipad air 2 the ipad 2017 the pro 97 10 5 and 12.9 inch which is gutting because it means i can't have it because i've only got i say only well, that's very uh I'm very glad I've got one, but I've only got the iPad Air 1. Just like, no, so close, no. so far. So close, so close. Um, yes, that is a little, uh, I suspect, a little galling, but uh, I suspect the reason for that is it needs the power of the latest chips. Um, I mean, you, you could see how responsive and how uh, how it really did bring, you know, desktop class photo editing. To, oh, when he was doing uh, the swiping iPad. and the real-time effects was like, I was looking at it thinking, oh, yeah. really? Can you not do that on a PC and a, like on a traditional computer? Now I thought, you're right, actually. You, yeah, it was for something that small. And I'm thinking, hmm, only I had a credit card. Well, right, well, <laughs> I'll tell you what, we'll go on to the next one. So, Simon, tell us about your highs and lows of uh, this WWDC. Well, I mean, my high, obviously, 
uh, and I've I've said before, you know, that I've been desperately waiting for some new iMac ha- hardware, and obviously they released new iMac hardware with the latest processors and improved uh, memory capacities and uh, all the rest. Uh, you know, not not completely redesigned or anything, but just you know upped to KB Lake and new graphics cards and and the rest so that that was fabulous um very very uh you know pleasing to see uh the iMac Pro um well i mean that's way out of most people's range i think and uh it, it, it's a sort of a um i felt that was a sort of a stopgap it was like there is no mac pro but there is this um and we've deliberately just gone totally over the top and jammed in absolutely everything we could think of. So that but was space that, gray. That was a nice. It's space gray. You no, know, that was a nice. Want piece. it all the more. Oh yeah, it's in 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 you know in space gray, which will be exclusive to to that model. You know, wow, it's going to cost you five grand to get a space gray mouse. Um, <laughs> uh, I, oh, I, a touch cynical I, there, blimey, touch cynical. I, 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 I thought that that was. Um, that was interesting, but I, I, I think that was more of a, a kind of show off than. Uh, I mean, I'm sure they'll sell some. I'm sure there are people out there who can afford it and would very much like one. And I guess if I had the money and it wasn't a problem, I would be, you know, very interested. But uh, realistically, I shall be looking at, you know, uh, at work, I shall be looking very much towards uh, upgrading from my uh, six, seven year old Mac to. Uh, one of the 27 inches. Um, and by the way, Mac Jim, for what it's worth, uh, the 27 inch iMacs uh, still have user replaceable RAM uh, via a little door on the back. So uh, don't pay Apple's extortionate uh, RAM prices and get shafted 600 quid to take it up to 32 meg. Uh, get it with 8 meg and get some RAM from Crucial and put in it and save yourself about 300 quid. My other eye, even though I don't actually have an iPad, was, of course, the iOS 11 iPad productivity features. You know, a real dock, uh, a proper filing system, the drag and drop. I mean, these are the sort of features which I've been banging on about for ages, saying, you know, the iPad really needs some uh, features that are making use of its screen estate and its uh, abilities. And uh, thankfully, at last, they've, they've, you know, they've shipped them. And I, I hope that's going to be a really big boost to uh, the iPad. And uh, I think it's going to make a lot of iPad users very, very happy. On the low side, uh, there was nothing for the Mac Mini, which I'm afraid probably points to the Mac Mini's demise. Although they did, uh, they and, have uh, said though that they've got some plans for it. So I'm thinking, will the Mac Mini be like a little? Uh, will be the core, and then you will tap things onto it. Um, well, that's a possibility. That's a possibility. But um, at the moment, uh, there was nothing for the Mac Mini, and uh, that so that was a little bit of a low. Uh, the watch OS, as we've said, was 90% gimmickry, so uh, I, I wasn't impressed with that. Um, and uh, High Sierra, as we talked about earlier, that, that pleased me no end because it, it looked very much to be the new Snow Leopard, and uh, that pleased me 
greatly as well. So, uh, I mean, what about you, Mark? What about were your highs and lows? I wrote them down. No, I can't find them, which is why I'm looking through the notes now. Uh, if I had to go from memory, I think a little bit about HomePod. Uh, I think if it sounds half as good as the Sonos Play 1 that I've got here, that's going to be very, very nice, providing, though, that it supports more than just Apple Music, because it will need to do something like TuneIn or any of the any of the sort of other services that you could plug into it. I think if they just have that for Apple Music, I think they're going to cop a lot of flack for that. The one thing well, that I did... <laughs> <laughs> 350 quid yeah too right yeah uh, i mean I'm, i've got I, I love my sonos play one uh it's i when i first got it i was like am i really going to use this i've just spent all this money on a speaker uh and then realized you know what uh i actually in the morning it's got my alarm on there so it wakes me up uh i come in for work the first thing i'll do is um put it onto you know music while i'm going around the house it's very, very rarely off. In fact, it really has overtaken TV for me, which has been good. Uh, the whole thing about uh, Siri integration is good, but I think Apple now face a very long battle to prove Siri is more than just setting a timer for five minutes, because that's all I tend to really use it for. Um, although when my iPhone was bust, using Siri on the Apple Watch was a really good experience. So maybe that's just because the microphone was closer. Again, we're going to see all this in the real world. Uh, what else sort of caught my eye? Uh, the iPads. Want, want, want. Uh, I really... It's got me hot thinking now about, yeah, I could use my PC for the heavy stuff and the stuff that I need... Um the stuff that I need to do that I can't do on an iPad, like say, for example, when I'm uploading a file from the iPad for audio for the podcast, that still has to be done in a web interface. And sometimes the web interfaces don't work. And when you've got a dialogue picker, will it let you upload a file from the file app? Is that what it's called? Files? You know, you know what I mean? You, well, you know, when you go attached to, you know, you attach as uh, like a JPEG when you're submitting a support ticket. That I hopefully will work. That's sort of something I can't. I might even go onto the beta for that just to see if it will work. The augmented reality I thought was a really nice demo, but looked obviously it's very, very scripted, but very, very well put together. And especially the stagecraft of the guy actually handling the iPad knew what was coming up, when, how to position it. That so that was very good and very well rehearsed. The augmented reality stuff is interesting. It's one of those things where I I personally don't see how it's going to be used, but that means it's going to be a phenomenal success because I don't understand it. Well, uh, actually, of course, I, I've almost completely skipped over the augmented reality without mentioning it. And um, it, obviously it's early days. But it was really nice to see. I mean, we know that Uncle Tim has said that he's very, very interested in augmented reality. And Apple, you know, made it quite clear that by putting this augmented uh, reality platform out on iOS, that they would immediately basically have the biggest AR platform in the world. Yeah, uh, They're releasing the AR kit for developers to tie into it. Um. And I've seen a couple of commentators saying, you know, 
with the AR demo and the AR kit, Apple have just kind of secretly shown you the technology which is actually going to kill the iPhone. Uh, not an, not you know not like right now, but uh, obviously they were talking about using you know looking through your iPhone or through your iPad to uh, experience this augmented reality. But I mean, of course, when we've talked about augmented reality before, I, I've said to you, eventually you're going to want to move that from your phone or your iPad, you know, onto your onto your retinas, be that by you know glasses or some kind of projector or screen that, you know, whatever, who knows. But uh, I, I think there's a lot to be said for that, and uh, it will gradually move, I suspect. First of all, it will be on your phone and your iPad, and it will be a gimmick. But, you know, we're already seeing things where, um, you know, you can get live translation. I mean, Google had a, an augmented reality thing, didn't they, where you could look at a menu or a sign and it would – it would translate from, say, German into English or, or whatever. Um, and that was very, you know, and that was a few years back. But, I mean, AR is coming on in leaps and bounds. Yeah, all the 3D stuff on the table with the flying airships and, and little men running around was all very, very nice. But I, I think uh, that's just... It was nice to look at, but then... Yeah, yeah. I don't... That, that in itself, but the, what I'm saying is that's that's... That was all very showy, but it's not that. It's the technology under that, which I think is going to be where, you know, where development is really going to take off. Yeah. Yep. And uh, yes, at first it's going to be Pokemon Go and it's going to be 3D games in spaces that don't exist. And, uh, you know, I'm sure there'll be people making Snapchat type filters to oh, God. make videos of and uh, you know and whatever but but the underlying technology there is actually i suspect crucial to apple's forward plans and uh you know uh, you know me bring me the gernsback continuum roll <laughs> it on where is my microwave power and my flying car where am i you know i i'll quite happily have a I'll quite happily have a, a Borg eyeball thing that lets me see virtual reality. Bring it on. I'll what have was... a I'll have an iPhone grafted into my arm. I don't care. <laughs> what did you think of the um the virtual was what what would you call it now? Virtual reality demo of where that there was the guy in the room, the lady doing the just about to do a lightsaber scene with Darth Vader. What was your oh, take yeah. on that? Oh, now that, yes. Well, obviously, that was industrial light and magic, and uh, that was fantastic. It really was. And obviously, they were saying this is running on a, you know, a 27-inch iMac you can go out and buy now. I'm sure it was, you know, ramped to the rafters, but uh, it was a machine you could just go, you know, you could order as a build-to-order machine. So, you know, imagine if they can do that with something like that, imagine what you can do with, you know, 18 Xeon cores and 128 gig of RAM and all the rest and an external GPU stack plugged in as well. Um, I, I thought it was brilliant. And of course, the point was that it wasn't a game. 
They weren't showing it as a game. They weren't showing it as a, ooh, look at the pretty, you know, look at the pretty graphics. The point was, it was a demonstration of how, um, you know, virtual reality uh, experiences are going to be put together so that, you know, she was inside that virtual reality experience, which was being overlaid for us so that we could kind of see what was going on. Uh, but she had, you know, two wands, didn't she? Which is the equivalent of the mouse in your keyboard, I guess, yep. when you're when you're doing your Photoshop work. And it was like, OK, so we'll call up some TIE fighters and we'll have them there. And we'll, you know, I mean, I know they were probably it was all all the work. It was, was pre-done, but, you know, it showed it was like, you know, I saw a point over there and we'll have some TIE fighters there and I'll draw a line, you know, across the horizon and they're going to go there and fly past the castle. And then, you know, Oh, well, if we haven't got, if we got the castle, it, it, it was a really a demonstration of how someone who knows how to work in that, uh, you know, in that sphere could work from inside the experience and, and put it together in the same way as those of us who work in Photoshop or in design or what, and never, you know, know where to pull various elements and put them down on a page. Um, and, and that was, you know, that was very exciting. Uh, the only, the only bit that worried me was one, at one point when she stepped away from the table, I thought she was at, at risk of yanking, <laughs> ranking it, you know, yanking a very expensive iMac off the table because of the cable. But, um, other than that, no, I thought that, I, th I thought that was excellent. I thought that was excellent and it wasn't too long and it wasn't too flashy. Uh, you know, I thought that was a, a very a good way to demonstrate what it was they were, you know, trying to uh, promote. The Darth Vader breathing actually sounded menacing as well, because so yes. many times old Darth has been wheeled out and he's lost his sort of uh, his badassery. Well, and, he, and he's... Yeah, where where he's instead of being a menacing uh, thing, it just sounds like a bloke with bad asthma and a yeah. So it's like my car can. heater on a bad day, like a small asthmatic hamster trying to keep me warm in my car. <laughs> uh, what else was there? I'm, I'm just going off the top of my head here because I sort of I wanted to um, do well, this I, on purpose you, because I uh, um, I tell you what we 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 didn't get um, and we did mention it, didn't we last week? Uh, uh, which I know has only just been posted. Sorry about that, people. Um, but there was no Apple News app, was there? There was no, no Apple News app for the Macintosh. Uh, sad. Sad. Bigly oh. sad. I mean, at There's least give me dome. a way to sort of synchronize the news stories or do something, because preparing for this show, I was having to go onto the iPhone, go into news, find the story, click on the share, click on my name, accept it on the Mac. And okay, it's not... Yeah, first world problems, but there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way. Just trying to think what else really um, captured me. The whole graphics, uh, the whole graphics card thing was good. They're going to be getting some nice Radeons. The only downside uh, I really have was a little bit the watch OS. I don't really know what they could have done to make that a bit more exciting. Uh, I felt, uh, but you know. You know what we have missed, don't you? Go on. Because there was so much stuff, and it was right at the start. And what was something everybody was on about last week before the WWDC? What did we get right on the opening line? 
Apple's fine. Was... Nope. Well, yeah, we got that. That was fine. Yeah, I haven't got time to do all the yeah. guff. Apple's doing all right, yeah. I sort of uh, took issue good. with the way he said that, by the way. I thought he was, like, just being a little bit smug. I don't know if he was being smug or patronising or, it, or if it was know, just I because think... he had a lot to get through. I think it was because there was a lot to get through. And traditionally, they've opened the keynote with a kind of state of the union. We've sold this many Macs and we've made this much money and we've got this uptake and this market share. Um, and of course, you know, after after all the recent uh, what the earnings calls, you know, we as podcasters and lots of other podcasters tend to sum it up with, yeah, well, in summing up, Apple made a lot of money and I think they're doing all right. So I, I think there was a nod to that. And there was also a, a nod to, look, you've all followed the earnings call. You don't need me to recap it here. And we've got a lot to get on with. So, yeah, I think we're doing all right. And, uh, you know, so I think the there was a certain sly wink there but i think it was yeah more maybe of a, yeah okay good. more more of a kind of i think it was more a, a kind of sly nod to the you don't really need me to go over that and we don't really have the time and i'm sure on some past keynotes that's been used to pad out something where they didn't have a huge amount to say but what i was referring to of course was after he said that apple was doing all right they mentioned the uh apple tv and of course Amazon Prime Video. Oh, jeez! How could I forget to the that? Apple TV. Oh, Hurrah. that was one of the first things that you're right. It was on the show, and I thought, right, I must mention this on the podcast because <laughs> uh, I immediately thought, well, yep, that's killed my um, terrestrial TV dead in the water. <laughs> I mean, what? Also, I mean, Amazon have very slyly as well done a load of TV channels as well. Now, they're, they're subscription-based, but I sort of noticed this the other day, and there hasn't really been much in the press about it, or at least in, not in the uh, the news feeds that um, I've got, was if you go to Prime Video, they're making a real big fuss of actual TV channels. So, going on, let's see if we can find it here. You can tell I'm prepared. So, the, the main one at the moment is that they've got, uh, let's, but you've got Discovery, you've got Eurosport, as he just clicked on the TV tab and praised that his internet connection is fast enough because I'm running out of breath to fill the gap of my phone loading. <laughs> <laughs> so, you've got. And we're there. So, yeah, you've got HiU TV, you've got Discovery, you've got um, ITV Hub. I uh, don't know why you'd want to watch ITV. There's some, there's some actually not bad stuff there. It's got to be said, but but it's some of the channels you actually have to pay another subscription to, which is okay, I suppose. But do we think now that this has pretty much killed Amazon? Uh, sorry, Apple's ideal ideas of becoming a content platform. Like let's say having Warner on there or having uh, in the UK, we've got Now TV. Do we think that a dream is now dead and they're just accepting the fact that people want a decent box that they can just watch Amazon and Netflix through? Uh, no, I, d- I, don't think that's, I don't think that's the case. I mean, I think p- part of it, you know, Apple's dream, I think, with the Apple TV, it has always been to be uh, an aggregator and whether or not Apple, you know, provide their own content i mean technically uh, you know as in original content i mean obviously you 
you know, your Apple TV is directly connected to iTunes, so you can rent or buy uh, material from iTunes. Uh, if you subscribe to Netflix, you can, you know, you can watch Netflix. Uh, when the Amazon Prime video arrives, then you'll be able to, uh, you know, as a Prime subscriber, access that. And no doubt that will be littered or at least sprinkled liberally with other things from Amazon that you can subscribe to. Uh, I, I just, I, I just, I'm just really glad. I think the, the truth is that, um, whatever reason, you know, Apple and Amazon had this spat and, uh, and it was allegedly over the fire TV stick and, and so on. But I think Amazon have probably figured out that, uh, you know, selling, uh, using, uh, Amazon fire to promote uh amazon video or Am- is is just not enough um yeah. lovely as you know the, the amazon fire tablets are and uh you know but I, I think a lot of people even if the even if the amazon fire tv is you know only 35 pounds or whatever it is you know how many of us want to have 27 different boxes stacked up you know it, it's um my only problem with Amazon t- with Amazon Prime Video is that sometimes you'll go through and if you I came from Netflix and you know on Netflix you pay one subscription and that's it everything on there you can watch and when I first jumped onto Amazon Prime Video I thought that was the same so I'd go through and I thought right well I want to watch this I want to watch that add it to my list. And sometimes you just feel there's enough differentiation to say, right, well, this is the stuff that you can watch for free, but this is the stuff that you can rent, and this is the stuff that you can buy. It's all sort of jumbled together, and I sort I guess of that, get I, why they do that, but it's just so I, I, blinking annoying. I guess, well, it, it's a. I can see why they do that. Um, it's... Uh, although I suppose you could say, you know, on Sky, obviously they do differentiate, don't they? They have, you know, uh, the Sky Store. You, if you, you know, the paid-for content on Sky is in Sky Store. Um, but I, I personally, and maybe it's just because of the things I I look for. Haven't really come across that. I, I I tend to just scroll through, and it all seems to be you know this is covered by your Prime subscription. So uh, maybe I'll find more stuff that isn't if it comes on the Apple TV because I don't use my Amazon Prime Video anywhere near as much as I should because it's a bit of a pain in the backside because I've got to get it on another device, usually my phone, and then AirPlay it to the Apple TV and. You know, while I'm doing that, I have to make sure that nobody's going to ring me and and all the rest. So I, I'd be very, very glad to have it come to my Apple TV. It's uh, it, it's quite telling though, isn't it? That of all the things we've mentioned, all we've talked about, and we the thing at the very start of the WWDC 2017 is the least talked about. <laughs> well, I think I think that's just because everybody went hooray and then forgot about it because it was swamped by so much other stuff. I mean, there were just you know the amount of things that were announced really um, it was vast, absolutely vast. And, and in the usual way of when you know talking about new OSs, you know they were flashing up slides on there with 
25 30 features on and five of them highlighted and those would be the five that craig or phil or, or tim would mention and you know i mean i've already over the week and quite rightly so seen you know quite a lot of the um of the blogs uh and the, and the tech pages you know uh producing articles like um you know, 11 facets of, uh, you know, high Sierra that didn't even get mentioned or, uh, you know, 20 things in uh, iOS 11 that, uh, you know. Yeah, there has uh, been a lot on of... the slide. But, and, and, you know, why not? Because there's just all that stuff. And I'm, I'm pretty sure, it, you know, and most of them lead, tend to lead with one of those slides. So, you know, it's like, here's a slide, look on here, you know, there are 30 features mentioned, five highlighted, which Tim or Phil or whoever mentioned, and we've got hold of the beta and we've, you know, we're going to tell you about what all these other features are and, and why not? I mean, there's been a dearth of decent news for tech blogs and, uh, you know, tech news pages for months and hence the, you know, tedious rehashing of endless stupid rumours and exactly well what's the press going to do now because Apple have pretty much come out and said right this is our roadmap for the year cheerio everyone make of this what you will (laughs) I mean that's it now they they basically just killed the rumour mill dead well well well, no apart from the iPhone oh god why did I say something so stupid (laughs) the iPhone will go on and then there'll be mutterings about the pro and the you know uh Oh, this and that change has been, you know, rumoured in the iMac Pro or the because let's face it, the iMac Pro was only a peak, sneaky peaky. That's not a f- fully formed product yet. The uh, the speaker, you know, the HomePod, which left me completely flat. I'll be honest, I'm not in the least bit interested in that, and it looks like a ball of string. Um, but other than that, um, you know. Th- but, you know, I'm sure there are plenty of people who found it very interesting. It doesn't interest me in the least. But, nope. again, that goes with my internet of troublesome things denying and I don't have a Dot or an Echo or an Amazon, a Google Home or any such thing. And I'm quite unlikely to bother to have such a thing. Very, so, very, uh, very quickly, did you? how would you rate it on a 10? for the actual presentation and let's do it in two ways how would you rate the overall presenters out of 10 on on an average um and an overall presentation i think i'd probably give that about an eight um i've i've seen uh all of the or most of the people who were presenting, obviously there were some new faces. I've seen most of the faces, uh, Craig and Phil, uh, present slightly more slickly, but I, I think they had so much stuff to crash through. Um, you know, I mean, there was, there was the, uh, the, the point where Craig accidentally referred to it as iOS seven. Um, but you know, there was so much. So uh, uh, as an overall presentation, I, I think I'd give it an eight. Um, you know, we didn't have to have any horrible, cringeworthy bands coming on to fill in the last 10 minutes. We didn't... Um, didn't have that have ping thing that... that he tried to do last time. And 
finally then overall on the actual wwdc content itself were you happy or were you left wanting or were you one of these people that went well they've given me everything apart from the one thing that i wanted um content wise well i mean it's got to be a nine nine and a half i can't say a ten because obviously you know there are always things that you think well that's not what i would have wanted or not what i quite was hoping for uh you know as we've said no no um no news app uh no mac mini uh i'm sure there were a couple of other things people have mentioned to me which i thought oh yeah possibly but on the other hand you know we didn't get a half an hour of watch straps did we or no and you know or phone cases uh so overall content a, a good solid nine presentation i'd have said an eight uh, i was very very happy for me it's possibly one of the best uh one of the best keynotes or certainly wwdc keynotes for a long time um and that's going to give people plenty to chew over until you know late august early september when i'm sure there will be the launch of the iphone and uh you know the ios 11 and so on so uh, very very good for me the only sort of negative thing i could give about it is that there i'm not sure there was much there for developers for a developer conference about developing sort of stuff it was quite hardware and new product driven but i suppose they sort of had to do that to sort of take away all the the negativity that had been building up about the mac pro and all that angst of you know all your stuff is old apple as you said it well i think we were talking earlier on or were we talking on this podcast we were on this podcast about if you were to go out the other day and buy a brand new mac all of that stuff was three years out of date so no, I sort of feel their hand was forced. I enjoyed it. I'll, I will give it a, an eight for the presentation. And well, no, I'll give it a 7.5 because I felt the thing about iMessages and stickers just went on a little bit too long. Oh, and yeah, kind yeah. Of- I guess that did. Um, I uh, Maybe I've, you know, maybe I, I've uh, gone a bit light on that because I, I had to nip out and fetch my daughter. So there was a sort of... Uh, 10, 10 minutes <laughs> that I didn't I didn't have to see but uh, yeah I they do like to milk messages a bit don't they but it, it's a big hit for them it's a big hit um and and of course you know all that all that aside you know it is a developers conference it's not really uh, of obviously the keynote they p- pitched to a large extent to you know people like us as well but underneath it all its point is to say to developers look here is the new hardware that you're going to be able to target here is the here are the new and i mean the list of apis that they were throwing out i mean it was every time you turned around is like vr kit ar kit i've got one final thing on that thought all these new apis sound really really great the metal thing you know that i'm completely sold on metal but oh metal too oh, oh well that was just unbelievable but and sorry go on go on then no, well no, i was no. just going to say and uh, you know not only are they now using metal to uh you know for graphics uh improvements they're saying you can use that you know you can use that computational advantage for um machine learning and oh, we forgot uh, the phrase oh, of the day the the one thing that no one had down on their bingo card buttery smooth 
How many oh, times well, did they, that keep coming up? They they always they always say buttery smooth. They love buttery smooth. Uh, and also, they're always so excited. It's like if you get any more excited, your head will blow up. Yeah, but I like that, though, because it always feels genuine. It's almost like, yes, we've done this. We've cracked this. We've got something uh, something special oh, no, here. But I don't know. Whoever writes their script, they nobody ever is anything other than, I'm so excited to show this to you. Oh, today. yeah. In fact, <laughs> next year or the next event, we will get some bingo cards into the Slack room and uh, we, we can follow along. <laughs> uh, right. Well, speaking of buttery smooth and things people say, We've got some feedback, so I can actually play... Indeed, we have. And I can actually play this. Oh, I forgot that I'm actually supposed to do the voiceover bit for this. Whoops-a-daisy. Anyway, we have some feedback from a Mr. David Walker in the UK from May the 29th. I don't know how I missed this. I do apologise. But thank you for giving us a five-star rating. It's the first one we've had in absolutely ages. So please, I found this podcast. Not many Apple podcasts with a British viewpoint. Always interesting. And all the latest news each easy week. I think you meant each. I think that means each. I think that's each. I think that's a, yeah, I think that's, that's probably an autocorrect. Yeah, I didn't write this one because that's the sort of type that I would put. Mark does a great job. And now one of my favourite listens. Well done, Mark. Keep up and thank you. No, and thank you. It is really, really appreciated to get some feedback, uh, especially as our, as our schedule's been a little bit chaotic these last few weeks but i've got monday off so after we finish recording this show i'm going to drink some beer no sorry because we're a family friendly show i'm going to have a cup of tea uh, well family friendly if people hear the show with guy on blimey they know that's a lie uh we've also i think why are we doing for time well we've gone over who cares one minute one hour 34 uh i'm gonna play this soundboard clip now have signboard i'm not afraid to use it yes we've got some obsessions uh this week do you want to go with the first one there simon it's framed uh yeah framed now this isn't new this is quite an old uh game for ios uh, but apparently it's now also available on the apple tv um this week it was the free app of the week which unfortunately possibly means that by the time uh, anybody gets to listen to this it will be over um, however, uh, apparently a framed two is in the works and it, it, it's a, a very interesting little game. It's a, a kind of film noir comic strip and it's a puzzle game and uh, it works by being presented in the uh, form of a comic and you have to shuffle the frames round so that the protagonist can make it uh, from frame one off the page is, you know, there might be six or eight frames. Um, and he's being pursued by, uh, various, uh, people who would happily shoot him or arrest him. So you have to juggle the, the frames around so that he can, uh, you know, sneak, climb, uh, shuffle around the obstacles and, and make his way off each, off each screen. And it's, it's quite fascinating and it's an interesting concept and it won a load of awards. So, uh, I, I'm, Sorry if if it's no longer free, but even if it's a, a few pennies, it's it's well worth it. It's not the longest game in the world, I will warn you, but it is 
quite rewarding. And uh, as I say, there is a framed two in the works, which I'm looking forward to. Excellent. The next one is from Mac Jim, who's one of our photography types. In photography type, is that the right phrasing? I don't know. He's uh, a Daguerreo type. <laughs> That's a photography joke. Uh, haven't got any. <laughs> hang on, have I got any tumbleweed I can play? There's bound to be someone. <laughs> oh, no, I haven't. Uh, where is it? I've I'll got do some it. somewhere. I'll do it in the post. The next Crickets. one, yeah. The next one is from Mac Jim, which is halide. Turn your iOS camera into something more akin to a proper camera by giving you manual control. This one has had humongous write-ups. Uh, I'm just trying to see what the price is in the App Store. It's not a free one, but the good apps normally aren't. Uh, it has been reviewed quite highly. It's got things like sliders for manual uh, camera control. You can review uh, all your images. You can set your autofocus, your apertures, uh, and all that sort of stuff, which is way above my pay grade. That is available in the App Store. And, of course, there will be links in the show notes. And what's the third one we've got there, Simon? Uh, well, the third one is, of course, the uh, Affinity Photo for iOS, which we've discussed uh, at some length earlier on. Which I which really, is, uh, really want, but I can't because I haven't got anything that will use it. Yeah, uh, I'm afraid. Uh, and Halide is uh, a, a shocking amount of money. Absolutely disgraceful. It's £2.99. Well, I that's mean, disgusting. How- dare they and i'm pretty sure that most photographers would probably give 9.99 for a product of that quality but uh, it's a mere two pound 99 so there you go uh that's another reason i mean obviously it's no use to me i barely take a photograph a year so um you know but it's had fabulous write-ups hasn't it it's it's really uh it's got four and five star reviews and uh it's apparently the next best thing to, uh, you know, having a, a DSLR. If only so, I would. If only I knew how to use half of these uh, half of these things on a camera, the website would look a lot better. Well, right then, uh, I think that's a show. One hour forty in plus a three minute bit for Nemo. Yep, I think. Yeah, let's call it a show. So if we're wrapping up then, if they want to get a hold of you, where can they find you, good sir? Uh, well, of course, I'm on the Twitters and I am at Serenak and that's S-E-R-E-N-A-K. Uh, and you can also find me on the Google Plus and uh, on the EssentialApple.com. And uh, hopefully, uh, oh, I know what I meant to mention. I know what I meant to mention, and this is uh, nothing to do with me particularly. Mark, we were going to explain to the listeners the point of all our links being uh, genie.us links. Uh, yes. So if you are on the website and you do see a link, it goes to genie.us. That is some um, tracking links. I won't lie to you. All it does is basically when you click on a link, it uses a third party website called genie.us and it basically sends you to the iTunes store in your country. Because right now, if you make a link within iTunes, um, 
the affiliate maker thing, I can't remember what it's called, you can only do it on a per country basis. So what that would mean is for all you listeners out there, I'd have to create one for the US, for the UK, for Canada, Japan, etc, etc, etc. And this is basically just a service that acts as a geolocational aware thing that will make sure that when you click on a link, it takes you to the right place. And that includes the Amazon links as well. So if you're in the US, you click on the link, you'll go to the USA Amazon store. And if you're in the UK, it takes you there as well. And that's probably something we're going to cover maybe in the next episode or two about how yeah. to get started with course, podcasting and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And of course, exactly. And of course, by using those, Mark, uh, it does mean that if we put a link uh, and you go and buy something, if we get an affiliate kickback, that means we definitely get our kickback. Yes. So, It's not used for anything else other than to punt you to the right store. Uh, And of course, you don't have to use them. If you want to Google them and find them elsewhere, then please do so. And I always encourage this, and this is probably shooting myself in the foot a little bit. If you can find the products that we mentioned on this show from anywhere other else than Amazon, and it's cheaper and it's for like a local store or company, uh, use them because they are still quite important and we, we can't just all rely on Amazon. So I'm just sort of shooting myself a foot, but I'm being honest and it's what I do as well. As for me, well, if you want to follow me personally, I'm at Ocean Speed on the Twitter. You can follow the Twitter handle at Essential Apple, where we post a few tweets now and again. The, and let you know when the next podcast episode is out. And of course, at EssentialApple.com, where you'll find this show and all the other show notes there for your perusal. So until next time, I'm going to set myself a deadline of getting this show out by the Monday, the 12th of June. We'll talk to you soon. Cheerio, everyone. Cheerio. And don't forget, we're part of the MyMac Podcasting Network, where you can find lots of other shows like MyMac, TechFan, Geekiest show ever, three geeky ladies, uh, Bart Bouchot's Let's Talk podcast, and many, many more. Uh, and I know I never talked about my Mac, but never mind. Bye. Looking for a podcast to get your geek on? Then listen to my favorite ladies' podcast, The Three Geeky Ladies. Join Alyssa, Suze, and Vicky as they discuss tech products and other topics that caught their attention. The Three Geeky Ladies Podcast, on the My Mac Podcasting Network.